0: Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are again listening to another exciting episode of Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the absolutely splendid UK science fiction, fantasy and horror geek podcast. This is episode 441, recorded on Tuesday the 24th of May 2022 at 23.37.15. Ooh... What a few days. The schedule has again run late. There should have been a Doctor Who episode between this one and the last one. I'm going to be doing that one tomorrow. I have just been so tired. And as you are about to hear, we've all been under quite a lot of stress here. Let me catch you up with what I've been doing, (laughs) and then we'll get on to the culture. I've been doing some gardening. Some might call it mild gardening, but I have destroyed my body doing it. Everything aches. Everything's bent out of shape and creaky. It is very, very evident that I am exceedingly unfit. While we're on the subject of health, I also recently discovered something about me. When I was a child, I was diagnosed as being hyperactive. The treatment for that back then was to be doped up to the gills and flap around like a zombie halibut. To extend the metaphor into an equally stupid simile. I've talked about this on the pod before, so let's skip over all that bit. I checked my symptoms on the NHS and CDC websites over the last week or so, and I don't think I am or was hyperactive at all. Back in 2016, and I've also talked about this, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, and I also know absolutely for certain that I have OCD, but I am not sure that I do have ADHD. I think the confusion started in the late 2000s when my depression was treated with Prozac, and that did make me a little manic. What does that mean? Well, I'm getting to that. It's like that year I forgot my birthday. Then I convinced myself I was a year older than I was because I'm a pessimist. Then got the greatest birthday present when I found out that I was actually a year younger. In my typically convoluted way, I'm telling you all that this is good news. I remember for a fact... When I was a child, I did have quite good powers of concentration, almost obsession. I remember being left with someone who was looking after me while my parents were working, and I would go over there with a carrier bag full of comics, sit at the dining table and just read them a whole day, which is not something you could do if you were hyperactive. Back to Tourette's, it is allergy season, there is a lot of stuff floating about. I'm not sure if that's affecting my Tourette's, but certainly when I do the hedges and leaves get rubbed on my arms, I do itch and stress and exercise, weirdly enough is causing a spike in my symptoms. My tics can be quite unpleasant. One of the worst ones is unconsciously grating my teeth against my tongue, not so much really biting it as, you know, running my tongue against my teeth. The byproduct of which is that I have a sore tongue. <laughs> While we're talking about Tourette syndrome, I would like to say to all the media I've contacted, reached out to in the past, they should occasionally deign to interview a neuro-atypical, actually, we're going to come back to that terminology in a moment, person who perhaps isn't all sweetness and light. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy the way I am, but I'm not deluded enough to to never entertain thoughts that my life could be easier without tourette syndrome getting back to that neuro atypical thing apparently the nomenclature has changed and i am now neurodiverse not really important <laughs> ah things are always in a state of flux Oh, that's a very, very weak segue because the next thing I wanted to talk about was acid reflux. And it wasn't even intentional. Flux and acid reflux, not connected, not even in my mind, that just happened as we speak, which is why I have show notes in front of me to keep me off going off on tangents. And I'm going off on a tangent right now. None of this is in the show notes. You'll probably be glad to hear if you want to catch up later. Acid reflux is something I still have to contend with, even though I've recently kicked the drugs that I take to control it. It hasn't gone away. There have been some advantages, but there also have been quite a few disadvantages. One of the indirect disadvantages is I've got bed sores. They are pressure sores on my elbows and I've got them from cranking myself up into an upright position to avoid acid flowing upwards. That's just great. (laughs) Finally, in the pre-show section, there has been another death in the family, which really isn't unusual. Not at my age. Everyone's popping off. This time, my prison auntie died yesterday around 630 In the morning, I believe. She was in her 70s, and she just died of old age. She was poorly towards the end, but it appears that she went peacefully. You've probably actually heard me talk about my many visits to her home in Paris in this pod. I had some great times there. I enjoyed myself immensely. I made friends. In the council estate where she used to live. It was a really different experience from being in the UK, in London. Ah, Yeah, we're all broken up about it, of course. She was my dad's sister. We are all in mourning. We're having a hard time. As you can probably hear from my voice. And those... Are not really the reasons I have been late with this podcast. That's really due to just being so tired and unfit, but it didn't help. And it certainly didn't make me feel like I wanted to podcast on Monday evening. Hence, a day late. But now I'm going to take a deep breath and talk about science fiction, fantasy and horror. Let's start off with Morbius. Morbius was released in March and started being available for streaming on the 19th of May, just a few days ago. So we can finally talk about the latest Marvel superhero to hit the silver screen. Dr. Michael Morbius, PhD, MD, also known as the Living Vampire, is a bit of a Marvel B-lister superhero. He was introduced in The Amazing Spider-Man issue 101 from 1971. Actual weirdo, Jared Leto, who is, of course, absolutely not in any way whatsoever any kind of real-life cult leader, allegedly, plays the title role. He is a Nobel scientist. Afflicted with a rare blood disease, which renders him very weak and partially crippled. He develops a drug synthesized from vampire bats, which he hopes will cure him. And it sort of does, but there are side effects. Of course there are. (laughs) I'm going to go into the whole Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing now. The side effects include superhuman plows, which are great, and the ability to fly and to have super hearing, all that good stuff. But it also makes him hideously ugly and gives him an incredible thirst for blood. First, that craving is satisfied by artificial blood, shades of blade, but it is apparent that that won't last for long and pretty soon he's going to have to drink human blood. Additional drama is in the form of a battle between him and a billionaire childhood friend and benefactor. This is because that friend, played by Matt Smith, when he is denied that drug because Michael Morbius doesn't want his friend to end up with the same new affliction that he has, surreptitiously steals the drug and becomes a murderous maniac. The story, as you can hear, is very, very high concept, very easy to understand, no real surprises, and is utterly boring. Not only that, though... But the makeup was pretty rough for a modern film of the supposed non-schlock variety. Much as I respect schlock, this wasn't supposed to be that kind of movie. You can see that particularly in Matt Smith's makeup. When you couple Matt Smith's moves and costumes and his makeup, he looked like he belonged in a Lon Chaney Jr. movie. The effects though were enjoyable. I also liked the logic of Vampire Flight through simply being extremely lightweight and extremely strong. I was somewhat reminded of the great first Blade movie because of those things, which by the way, was an excellent pre-figure movie about a Marvel character I totally forgot to mention in pod 434 when I was extolling the virtues of the MCU over the DC Cinematic Universe. And back to Jared Leto. Much as Jared Leto may possibly be some kind of creepy weirdo in real life, allegedly (laughs) I think if you ignore Blade Runner 2049 and House of Gucci fiascos, he is generally a fine actor. His portrayal of the Joker in Suicide Squad from 2016 was good, I thought, which a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with. He does a good job in Morbius as well, though I'm not sure the drastic weight fluctuations were strictly necessary. Can we just drop method acting and maybe just act? And that's my potted review of Morbius, released this year, 2022, and not doing as well as it could be doing. But that's down to the story. The problem is fairly deep-seated. Oh, man, it's so frustrating as a writer when you watch something else that could be good, but at its core, it's no good because the story's just not that interesting. I'm not saying all the writing's bad because, you know, there was dialogue. The dialogue was fine. Just the story. Oh, dear. Which brings us on to Firestarter. And yes, that, oh dear, was a premonition of things to come. I'm really sorry because I don't like critiquing films. I want these films to be good because I want to enjoy them. I get enjoyment out of watching a science fiction fantasy or horror film that allows me to escape mundane life. I don't get enjoyment out of hate-watching a movie and then yelling about it on a podcast? That isn't why I do this. Mini rant over, let's actually talk about Firestarter. In Firestarter, this new adaptation, uh, a couple of parents and a little girl are on the run from a ruthless US government project to enhance psychic powers like telekinesis, telepathy and pyrokinesis this is the second adaptation of stephen king's 1980 novel which i read probably back in the 1980s and is a horror take on the cia's mk ultra project which by now is very well known in the geekoverse and has become part of pop culture, and it's in just about everything. There are multiple X-File episodes on this stuff. Sounds promising. The new film is, unfortunately, boring. And, despite the film being film length, all the action takes place in the last half an hour. In that last half hour, our exhausted and traumatised child heroine somehow makes it from god knows where in the boonies to the belly of the beast the dsi building laboratory torture chamber on a stolen kid's bicycle she gets that bike in a very 80s scene featuring kids on bikes in suburbia is this the stranger things effect perhaps but perhaps Also, that's a bit unfair as Firestarter was published in 1980. At least they cast Rainbird, the antagonist henchman character, as a Native American as he was in the original novel, played by a Canadian actor, Michael Greyeyes. Which is a welcome relief because in the last two movies, yes, there were two, the first was another adaptation of the novel in which Rainbird was played by a white George C. Scott in 1984, or the even whiter Malcolm McDarwell in 2002 in the absolutely awful sequel Firestarter Rekindled or Firestarter 2. I'm not sure if I've seen it or not. But the character flipping of Rainbird from a completely appalling human being to Savior at the end of the movie was tonally atrocious. You know what this is like? We've talked about this before. This is like in Halo, where a similar kind of thing happens. Go back and listen to Pod 439. The protagonist, the little girl, Charlie seemingly forgives rainbird for murdering her mother he strangles her to death and shoves her inside a cupboard i've got to ask myself what the hell is going on how is that even possible what are the writers thinking are they high was that even in the original novel if it was in the original novel and i can't remember that far back Stephen King, I'm sure, would have handled it very differently and it would have come off more natural, but it definitely doesn't here. While we're on the subject of the sadistic Rainbird, he comically reminded me of a character (laughs) called Horst, a very pervy character, from the comedy After Hours from 1985. Oh, I don't know who the main star in that movie was, but I remember Horst and I remember Rosanna Arquette. Man, that's a good movie. After Hours. Let's get back to Firestarter now. The father in Firestarter is played by Zac Efron, who is about the only good actor in this movie. And that's a real disappointment, because if there was ever a movie that needed a reboot, it is this one. Yeah, sure, the original one had Drew Barrymore, and she was pretty good in it, but it wasn't the best movie. This one promised so much and delivered so little. And it now worries me about other Stephen King properties that are being rebooted, like the Salem's Lot reboot of the 70s TV show starring David Soule. I thoroughly enjoyed the original TV show from the 1970s, though at the time I was not allowed to watch the first broadcast, and I had to listen to my peers spoil it for me at a young age. So I generally knew what was going to happen when I finally got round to seeing it. But yeah, Salem's Lot from the 1970s is really good. James Mason is in it as well. Very enjoyable. And so is the book. Well, of course, most Stephen King's books are great. I'm probably preaching to the converted here. A last word on the soundtrack. I was watching the credits and it looks like Mr. Horror Autor himself slash sinister synth soundtrack wizard John Carpenter and family supplied the soundtrack. I flattered the chap thoroughly in pod 440, but in Firestarter, this new movie, I think the music is too heavy to obvious on the thumping heartbeat drum and that became a little grating it's sod's law really isn't it sod's law if you're american murphy's law same thing i talk flatteringly about someone in the previous pod and then they do something to annoy me in the next pod let us move on to star trek strange new worlds i just wanted to add A little to what I said in 440, not only is Star Trek Strange New Worlds great, but so far there's no overbearing, overarching story arc, and that is a relief. Of course, that could change. Please don't change. Remain gloriously episodic. I haven't seen the latest episodes so far, I've only seen the first episode, so I just Ah, oh, please, please, one adventure a week. I also mentioned in 440 how likable Nurse Christine Chapel is, even if she is annoyingly google-eyed over Spock, something that, of course, originates in the original series, and also the books and novels of the original series. I'm guessing the original series actress, the late, great Margell, Barrett-Rodenbury would really appreciate and enjoy the new portrayal of her character by, I think, Australian actress Jess Bush. Margelle Barrett-Rodenbury, as well as playing Christine Chappell, also played The Computer, number one in the double part of The Cage, I think. The one with Jeffrey Hunter playing Christopher Pike. And she also played Troy's mum in The Next Generation. She played a character called Luxana Troy. And, of course, she was the Great Bird of the Galaxy's partner. Just a little trivia I found out about Marjell. She paid for her, and Jean's remains to be shot into space, which is a fitting tribute to the pair. Rick and Morty. I can't remember if I've already discussed this, I probably have, but I've now watched until the very end of season 5 when Rick does his whole passive aggressive two crows samurai thing, and I enjoyed it mostly. The gross out disgustingness is okay, but it does get a little wearing over time, which. Detracts from the show's clever writing and wits, or maybe that's just my age. Gotham, again, I can't remember if I've already discussed this, but I watched it right through to the end of season 5 and the finale, which ends with Gotham being reintegrated into the United States, and the main players staring off into the distance, Babylon 5 style. I felt the final season was a little baggy and stretched out for no good reason, but I enjoyed watching The Penguin and Riddler's Escapades. Robin Lord Taylor has always been a fantastic Penguin, definitely the breakout star of Gotham, far better than Colin Farrell's Penguin in the latest film. The Batman, which we discussed and complained about in pod 434. Corey Michael Smith's Riddler is absolutely brilliant as well this season as he tries to fix his fractured mind. And that is just about it for this week. Just had two little bits of personal tech travails to relate to you. Do you remember back to the Facebook lockout Zabacool? when I was locked out of Facebook. Ah, okay, this is a little awkward. I might not have been locked out of Facebook. I might have forgotten my login name. (sighs) I'm actually biting my left index finger in embarrassment. (laughs) Let me tell you how it's been after perhaps a week of being back on the socials, it has reminded me how much I despise the popularity contest social media is. People might scoff and say, isn't podcasting the same? No, it isn't the same. Podcasting is creative. It isn't a schmooze at someone else's pool party. I will try to participate minimally on the anti-socials, as I call them, because I have to for social reasons and also for slightly professional reasons. But honestly, I'd rather be writing, typing, playing my banjolele or finding a Mrs. Captain. Next, PayPal. <laughs> I had to fix or reapply to have a PayPal account in order to accept tips from listeners on Ko-Fi, so I signed up with PayPal again. I got an email a day later to which I responded, uh, paraphrasing here, Hello PayPal, I got an email from you saying, quote, as long as no claims are raised by the buyer or any issues arise with your account, the money will be released automatically in 213503982315473 oh, two, days." Unquote. Do you realize that is 584942417303 four, oh, three years. That's what I wrote to them in response to their strange email. I'm guessing someone forgot a decimal place. I read those numbers out longhand because there is no way I can work out what those numbers are off the top of my head. I mean, they are immense numbers. Does PayPal really think it's going to be around for millions and millions of years? Can they be that arrogant? Can big tech be that arrogant? And that's it. The show is produced, presented and edited by me, Roy Mathur, writer Mathur, M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMathur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show. On whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast. This was episode 441, recorded on... Tuesday the 24th of May 2022, but ending on Wednesday the 25th of May 2022 at zero zero twenty two eighteen. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! Hello, breaking into my own podcast a day later to wish everyone a happy... Oh, ta- Day. And also to tell you the name of this episode is Tempus Observat Non-Geek. OCD.